Good evening, everyone. Welcome to the Fort Lauderdale Primary Purpose Big Book Study Groups Alcoholics and God Speak Your Step Series. Let's have our joke. All right, I'm Brian. I'm an alcoholic. Um, just preface this joke with uh, it was written in 1960. So the following tale was said to be one of Bill W.'s favorites. A man in a he was living alone on a desert island. Finally, a ship comes to rescue him. The captain notices a lot of buildings around the island, so the, longer, the loner takes him to, on a tour. After walking a while, they came to a building with signs on the front that says AA. Yes, indeed, I'm a member, the loner says proudly. A little later, on the walk past another building, and this one has the same AA sign. The ship's captain is curious, asks for the reason. The loner shrugs, oh, that's the meeting I won't go to. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Thanks for joining us tonight. I'm a recovered alcoholic. My name is Mark. In, in a minute, we're going to start our two-minute meditation. Please take a minute to get situated. Please turn off all devices that make noise or that will distract others. Take this time to get connected to God. Let the craziness of the day drift away. And ask God to help you stay focused on the step study tonight. If everyone's ready, he beat me to it, but we're going to start the meditation. See you in a couple. Thank you. 
Welcome back. In this group, we lead with the fog light prayer. If you don't know, you can follow my lead or read the projector screen. God, let your love shine through me like a fog light so those who were lost, sick, and dying can find your love through me. There is a solution from the big book, page 17. The tremendous fact for every one of us is that we have discovered a common solution. We have a way out on which we can absolutely agree and upon which we can join in brotherly and harmonious action. This is the great news this book carries to those who suffer from alcoholism. I've asked a friend to come up and read Appendix 2, Spiritual Experience. We read this message, or we read this, because the main purpose of the 12 steps is to have one. So it's kind of important to know what one is. Where is our reader? Ronald, alcoholic. Which one? This one? The term spiritual experience and spiritual awakening are used many times in this book, for which upon careful reading shows that the personality change sufficient to bring about recovery from from alcoholism has manifested itself among us in many different forms. Yet it is true that our first printing gave many readers the impression that these personality changes or religious experiences must be in the nature of sudden and spectacular appeals. Happily for everyone, this conclusion is erroneous. In the first few chapters, a number of of sudden revolutionary changes are described. Though it, it was not our intention to recreate such an impression, many alcoholics have never, nevertheless conclu- concluded that in order to recover, they must acquire an immediate, an, an immediate and overwhelming God consciousness, followed at once by a vast change in feelings and outlook. Among our rapidly growing membership of thousands of alcoholics, such transformations, though frequent, are by no means the rule. Most of our experiences of what the psychologist William James calls the educational variety because they develop slowly over a period of time. Quite often, friends of the newcomer are aware of of the difference long before he is himself. He finally realizes that he has undergone a profound alteration in his reaction to life, that such a change could hardly have been brought up by himself alone. What often takes place in a few months could seldom, could seldom have been accomplished by years of self-discipline. With few ex- ex- exceptions, our members find that they have tapped, in, tapped an unexpected inner resource which they presentedly identify with their own conception of a power greater than themselves. Most of us think this awareness of a power greater than ourselves is the essence of spiritual experience. Our more religious members call it God consciousness. Most empathetically, we wish to say that an alcoholic capable of honestly facing his problems in the light of our experience can recover, provided he does not close his mind to all spiritual concepts. He can only be defeated by an attitude of intolerance or belignorant denial. We find that no one need have the difficulty with the spirituality of the program. Willingness, honesty, and open-mindedness are the essentials of recovery, but these are indispensable. There is a principle which is a bar against all information, which is proof against all arguments, which cannot fail to keep a man in everlasting ignorance. That principle is contempt and prior to investigation. Herbert Spencer.
During the meeting, please refrain from disturbing others by, by talking or constantly getting up and sitting back down. This is a tech-free meeting. Set your phones to off or meeting mode. We'd appreciate that. So now I'm going to introduce our speaker. We have Joe B. back here for his ninth session. Uh, he's going to talk about the book. He's going to talk about the steps. Whether you're a newcomer, whether you're a mid-timer, mid whether you're an old-timer, uh, there's something in his message that's going to pertain to you. So I'm going to leave it at that. I'm going to give you Joe. I'm an alcoholic and a member of the Wednesday night big book study group in Pompano Beach, Florida, and my name is Joe, and it is good to be here with all of you. Apparently there's a few people that got stuck on 95. I was one of them, but I left an hour early. I was talking to Kirk earlier and Mike that, man, it's frightening out there when it's dark on rush hour traffic. So, um, as usual, God got us all here safely, and I thank him for that. So, uh, you know, before meeting, I, and, and I love to see the, the just the light in, in uh, the fellow that just shared the, or spoke about the spiritual experience. You know, it, it uh, to anybody that hears that, I mean, when I heard that, um, I was very doubtful that that could happened for me. One thing was clear when I, when I heard it for the, for the first time and actually listened to it and was uh, brought through it with my sponsors, I found out that I lived in a state of ignorance for the majority of my life until I got sober. You know, I, uh, and that was self-induced. That was, that was a self-imposed crisis, as they, liked, as they call it, right? I uh, stood in my own shadow and... Um, all the while, just insisting that uh, the way I thought it was just was the way it was. And, um, you know, after 44 years of life, you find out that the way it was or the way it is is just completely opposite of the way you thought it was. And, uh, you know, so this program is, is an opportunity. And, and, and the, the way it flows through the step process, and you all have been, you know, most of you have been coming here for the last nine weeks. Um, we have to know what we're conceding to, right? We have to, and the book is so perfectly written. You know, it amazes me that it was written by a stockbroker in the 30s um, that had no previous writing experience. You know, he took a literary course, Bill took a literary course in college. And, uh, the, and the one thing that's noted in his memoirs is that uh, the, 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 uh, the the, um, the teacher, as they, what do they call those people in college? Instructor? Professor. Professor. Okay, well, he was probably that. Um, told Bill, look, just when, if you write anything, don't use the same word twice because they'll think you're a dummy and they won't read your book. So a lot of, a lot of uh, the writings through the big book, Bill uses different words to mean the same thing, shortcomings, defects, you know, things like that. So... Um, but what we concede to when we read chapter 5, and you hear this, the beginning of that chapter read just about at every AA meeting, um, 
is a set of instructions. You know, they, they, they go over the 12 steps. They say, really, have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed the path? But if you're, if you're somebody that's new listening to that and, and you hear it over and over and over, um, if you're anything like me, I start to make assumptions. You know what I mean? I start to make assumptions on what I think that means rather than having somebody explain the context to me. I think it's really critical for people that are new that may be here tonight or in their first year of recovery that are getting ready to go through this book or are in, involved in the book already. Um, do your best to seek out context for what this stuff means. Don't, don't, I would say, my caution to you is just don't assume that because you're reading something that it, 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 it's in, it, whatever you're processing or interpreting or perceiving it to mean Run it off somebody that actually knows. Because I tell you, if I'd have read this book when I was first coming in without a coach or a guide that had been through this book and been familiar with the history and knows what he was talking about, I would have gone down. I wouldn't have made it. But I, th- I would have thought I know what I'm talking about. Because a lot of the things in an AA are said, are said repetitiously, right? So I just caution you to... You know, there's a wealth of information, uh, even on this meeting website. You can go back and listen to the people that have spoken here before. And Mike always has people here that that are very grounded and avid students of this book. And I will tell you, the best teachers out there are the ones that are the best students as well. Right? You can't be a good student. You can't be a, a good teacher unless you're still an avid student. And um, vice versa. When you're, when you're in the process of being a student, the, the, the more devoted you are and the more obedient you are to your sponsor and really digesting this information and understanding the facts and the, 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 the context of what the writer, what the spirit of the writer was, what they were trying to convey, the, 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 the information in the white parts of the book, right? Not just the words. That it will take on a whole different world of meaning to you. Um, in the beginning, we go through this, this, the, we, you know, and how it works, it says that we, that there's, that, 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 um, the chapter, the, 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 the chapter on alcohol, the chapter, the information on alcoholism, which is, um, well, let me read it to you. I don't want to make anything up. <laughs> well, I was a makeup artist. I made everything up. So it says, first of it says here, it says the point is, and we all know the point, you hear it in there, what's the point? I don't know where that comes from. Well, yeah, I do know where it comes from, but I'm not going to point that out right now. The point is that we are willing to grow along spiritual lines. Hmm. What is that saying to me? Does it say I'm willing to grow along earthly lines, worldly lines, material lines, financial lines, right? Comfortability lines? No, it says I'm going to grow along spiritual lines. This whole book is a vertical path. And all my life, I was on a horizontal path. Everything that I thought I needed to have success in my life, happiness in my life, wealth in my life, great relationships in my life, everything 
It was a horizontal pursuit. I looked here for all that, to provide that for me. I never considered going on a vertical path. And they say that when it comes down to the to the last gasp, right? And we're down and out and we just death becomes more attractive for some of us. It was for me. And the only place to look, because I've been through 16 years of untreated alcoholism in and out of AA, I've been wandering the planet in and out of AA with an alcoholic mind, never willing to change, as that gentleman read in Spiritual Experience. The whole theme of that is change. I was never willing to look up. It just was unconceptual for me. It just... How can that be? Something I can't see, something I can't hear. But yet there's thousands of witnesses out in AA telling me that it's the only place you can look. So when, you're back, when, you're, when your back is up against the wall and you're ready to take yourself out or you just can't do it anymore and the only place to look up, there's only one place left to look up, right? For many of us, we get to that place where the only thing left to do is look up then we find that up is the only place we ever needed to look. Amazing. And we fought and we bled and we agonized and we destroyed for so long because we refused to surrender. So if any of you are in that point tonight, you can save yourself a real bloodbath. You can save yourself a whole lot of pain and you can save yourself all the collateral damage of those we loved and destroyed because we just were so defiant and self-reliant and belligerent because we wouldn't look up. Many of us tried to look up. I tried to look up. Well, listen, I was brought up looking up. I was brought up in the Bible and in a religious background and this and that and the other. But never did I seek a relationship. So I really never had an approach that I, even their approach, I never really worked that approach because I was always focused on out here for what I needed, right? So I never had that strategy to to, to, to fall back on. And it was certainly nothing that I wanted to let you know about because you'd have thought I was weak. You know, I was worried more about what you thought of me, right, than, than ever considering considering putting myself exposed to you to, to tell you that, hey, look, I don't know how to do this. <laughs> I don't know how to do this. But eventually pain will have its way, right? When they say they say the pain of staying the same, When the pain of staying the same becomes greater than the pain of change, then we change. My God, no people, no 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 group on earth ever went to the pains we went through, and the prices we paid, and what we suffered and lost by staying the same. And refusing to change like we did. So 
I tell you that because, you know, it really impressed me the way that fellow read. What's your name again? Ronald. Ronald said that boldly. I like that. The way Ronald expressed it, he had an expression when he read that piece, didn't he? Right? You could feel it. You could see it. And hopefully that's the way it resonates with all of us. But the main theme of that whole piece is change. Profound change. Personality change. Transformation, a.k.a. change. Profound alteration in our reaction life, a.k.a. change. Right? Spiritual experience, a.k.a. change. Spiritual awakening, the same thing. Right? If we don't change, we die. If we don't change, we drink. I mean, think about it. <laughs> I'm like, if, if we don't do anything to change, like I didn't for 16 years, there's only thing one, left, one, one thing left to do, and that was suffer under the weight of staying the same. Make sense? I hope it does. Because it's gospel. It's truth. Right? We all have evidence, right? I mean, all of us go through the same thing. So we have to go through this deconstruct. So we concede to our innermost self that we're alcoholic, couldn't manage our own lives, a.k.a. thinking, couldn't manage. Because thinking, it comes first. Everything in our life, everything that you see, everything that has been created by man, everything that we experience in the world initiated, was initiated by a thought. Architect can't build a house unless he thinks about it first and draws a plan. Right? So no creation on earth that we see and we experience in our lives can happen without a thought happening first. Because when the thought happens, we get a feeling and emotion. That's how this, synchron- this, this, this sequence happens in our lives. We think. We feel. We take an action based on that feeling or emotion. And guess what happens? We get a result. But everything is born in thought. Everything we do, all we can look over our, our shoulders and go into the past and take a look at everything that, that we have had happened in our lives or gained in our lives. And it all has an ancestor. And it's called a thought. Right? So we think, we feel, we act, we get a result. Anybody that comes to AA can't honestly in good conscience say I like the results I've been getting why would you even come to AA if you did right because that's just another lie right so having said that we talk about this thing called the disease of alcoholism the inability to stay stopped the inability to stop starting you can, you can stop. We all stop. Many times we stop, right? I mean, I'll never do that again. Boom. Next thing we know, we're drinking. So it's not about stopping. It's about staying stopped. Why can't we stay stopped? Well, we're so full of regret and shame and remorse and guilt and the, the, the horror of what's going to happen if things are found out that I did and this and that and the other that we have this internal conflict going on, this internal condition that I call, that has been brought about by the actions I've taken in stealing and lying and cheating and deceiving and manipulating and all that stuff, right? 
And many of us come into AA. If you're anything like me, I came into AA pretending it didn't exist. How you doing, Joe? Great! Isn't it great to be sober today and be dying inside? Thus the lie continues. In one degree or another, it just keeps going on. Right? I was so addicted to what you thought of me. I was so addicted to creating an individual that you would encounter that appeared to be exactly who you wanted me to be so you'd like me. So you'd think highly of me. So you'd validate me. You'd respect me. You'd think I was witty. You'd think I was, you know, a good guy. And the whole time I'm vying for whatever I'm vying for in you, whatever, whatever I'm impostering or, or masquerading as to you to get what it is I want from you, even if it's a slap on the back or credit for something that I did, or maybe even a little applause. It was all a fraud and a phony and a lie. I come here and I found out, my God, it's not about me and you. It's not about you and me. It's about me and him. And if I can't find my value with him, my creator, how am I going to find it with you? How am I ever going to be authentic and transparent and empowered and enlightened and convicted and living the truth if I'm always concerned about what you think? The biggest release and gift I was given in this program was to be released of that burden. But it was never until I sought a relationship with God did it ever even, could it have ever even been Brought about because you were my God. You had the power to actually make me feel like a somebody and not a nobody, pretending to be an everybody. I had no principles, I had no boundaries. Whatever you thought was cool, I thought was cool. If I thought you were somebody that I needed to be associated with or connected to, if you made me feel popular because you were popular, you were hanging with a bunch of. You, you could have been hanging with a bunch of moron idiots out there. And as long as they were paying attention to you, I wanted to be part of that too. So it was all a game. What a way to live. And by all the deception and lies and manipulation and deceit and theft that I perpetrated on mankind never making an honorable contribution to you at all. It was all done with motive. I was constantly looking to be satisfied by you. I started to feel things. I started to have this thing happen inside me that literally was tearing me apart. Literally dissipating my soul. My desire to live. My desire to function anymore. Yeah, death was way more attractive when I got here. Because I had become the consummate, consummate victim and imposter. My family didn't even know who I was. I had to play somebody just so you'd accept me. My God, man. There was a whole lot going on. That, that initiated the, the need for relief in me 
And when I found booze, man, I found the elixir. It didn't, it didn't change anything. It just masked it. It just had me go numb for a while and oblivion for a while. And basically, you know, every waking moment, I hated my guts so bad that I had to be incredibly intoxicated just to deal with that, knowing. You know, eventually you come, I came face to face with that guy. I knew what I was. I didn't want to do it anymore. I just didn't have, I didn't have the will to, to, to show up and pretend anymore. And that's when death looked more attractive to me. The struggle to impress you and to have you notice me got me to the point of wanting to take my life. Because no matter how much you buy my garbage, <laughs> I still had to lay my head on something that night. I say pillows, and a lot of times I didn't even have a pillow. And when I would do that, I knew that I gamed you, but I knew you were giving it to a fraud. You just, you just, you, you just don't want to exist anymore. I had to find out who that was. I had to discover what had made me that way. I'm telling you the answers that, I re- that were revealed to me through the four-step inventory. But I had to decide first. Either I'm going to go vertical, I'm going to look up, and I'm going to commit to that, or just go take myself out. Because John promised me that once I make an effective decision based on the information they give me on these three pertinent ideas for four chapters in the doctor's opinion of information... I wasn't going to get it from going to a thousand speaker meetings. I can tell you that right now. I needed to get in here and have this book marry what they were saying to my life. Concede is simply to make true and factual for, your, for yourself, for myself. Well, it rang out. I knew I couldn't stop when I started. And I knew I couldn't stop starting. There were a lot of people got really tried to get me... You know, help me. They they helped me get stopped. Cops did. All every time the cops did. Right? Judge Wood for a minute. Mom and dad were pleading endlessly. My five sisters, my brother, those that loved me that were agonizing over me. <laughs> they would help get me stopped, take me to detox, this and that and the other, but no human power. And none of them certainly, especially that idiot looking back at me in the mirror could keep me stopped. When we recover from alcoholism, from a hopeless condition of mind and body, we are able to stay stopped. Plain and simple. Right? We go from only being able to recall what it did for us, the booze and the drugs, only being able, think about this miracle, only being able to recall what it did to us in that split second where we either grab a drink and drink it or we recoil from it from a hot, as if from a hot flame. That is supernatural in our lives. No human being in here or on the face of the planet has been able to, that is a real alcoholic, has been able to do that for themselves. Nobody's been able to wing out in single-handed combat, they say. We and I, I can tell you I, couldn't overcome me or the disease of alcoholism. 
I had no strategy. But through this process, I was able to deconstruct this individual that was born, got a name by the name of Joe Bear, in a wonderful family, not too far from here, that ended up literally destroying them in the process too. It wasn't their fault. Boy, I tell you what, I sure used it as an excuse. Came in here with a big V etched in my forehead, stood for victim. I never took accountability or responsibility for anything I did, ever. It's always your fault. It's always that fault. It's always the society's fault. It was this fault. It was that fault. What a cop out. Just a bunch of garbage. Sellout is what I was. I had to accept these things, man. <laughs> I wouldn't be able to stand up here before you and be able to tell you this unless it was true. Why would I? From a guy that goes from being addicted to what you thought of me to letting you know what a mm-hmm I was. Mike said no cursing. I stand by that. So, um, the biggest thing I had problem with is ever thinking I could be forgiven when I got here. When I got to this four-step inventory and knew the fifth was coming around the corner, like right around the corner. One, the, the two biggest things I wanted in my life was a desire to be authentic and truthful about everything. And to know what it would be like to feel forgiven for the things I did to people. I didn't think it was possible. But I'm so glad my thinking was so small compared to God's thinking. Because he had other plans. This is truly a gift from God. This is my favorite time of the year. My God came around around here. That's who my God is. He's a powerful God. He's not the higher power. He's the highest power as far as I'm concerned. And I am on mission. He placed us in AA to go and reach out to the darkness in AA because there's a lot of people in AA that are still dying inside trying to convince everybody everything's great. You see, I was informed that, you know, when Bill talks in a vision for you that we will be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, when it talks about in step 10 that we have entered the world of the Spirit, I never asked myself what that meant. I was so like, what? Like, whatever. Until... I actually earnestly and sincerely worked this process with my sponsor as if my life depended upon it. See, it wasn't the fact that I was going to die. I knew I was going to die. We're all going to die. We all got an exit date. The question is how I was going to live. <laughs> how am I going to live? Am I going to make any contribution to mankind? Am I going to make any contribution to any other human being on the face of the planet before I die? What is going to be my legacy? That thing that lives on in the hearts and minds of other people when we die, where they were empowered and affected in a positive way because we had an encounter. That legacy. 
The only legacy I ever worked on was one of despair and destruction and destroy. That legacy. I tell you these things because it's way bigger than just not drinking. This thing's way bigger than just not drinking. Just being undrunk and undrugged, that leads to relapse or retox, whatever you just choose. Because if we don't change, it's not relapse from anything. What am I relapsing from? The same guy? The same guy that drank? Just not drinking now? No, that's the detox, retox method. That's what I was on for 16 years. Living on the streets of Fort Lauderdale. Right up the street. Street of choice. Broward Boulevard. Troll Avenue. I like to call it. Everybody, every city's got one. They're where you see the dead walking around. Their heads on the ground. Faces on the, looking down. Because they had no energy to look up. Aimlessly wandering nowhere. With my hand out. And all my earthly belongings in a Publix bag that I probably found somewhere. College educated, great family, that was me. 16 years, in and out. The only relief I'd get was a a reprieve of staying dry for a little bit in the halfway house. House of Hope, the mission, wherever it was, Salvation Army, wherever they'd feed me and let me take a shower. Yeah, that guy. So when I did this four-step inventory... It was great for the first three columns being a victim. I could tell you who hurt me, who threatened me, who pissed me off, teed me off. And what they did to me and what it affected. That's easy. But those last two columns were not easy. (laughs) But it's where they held the key to the future, as the book says. They held the key to the future. Well, yeah, I want to know what that is. I, I already know the key to the past. Right? They held the key to the future. And that meant I had to look in the man in the mirror. I had to go in and see where I played a part. What I did to set the ball rolling. What did I get in what what did I do in that relationship that would have that thing come about? What decision did I make based on my self fulfilling needs and desires and appetites that later placed me in a position to be hurt? I felt like the world was against me and so was everybody in it. No wonder. But I set it all up. I wrote the script. From the, from the time the relationship was born to the time it was destroyed. But all I could remember was the final act of you retaliating against me. For the BS I was. <laughs> I'm going, oh my God. I've been blaming these people for so long. I've been holding them hostage to their emotions. I've been trying to destroy them just waiting for my pound of flesh. When it was my doing of inconsideration, dishonesty, fear, selfishness, self-centeredness to the core. It was the core. I didn't care about anybody but me and my needs. And I go, oh my God. Well, what was the fuel that did it? Well, it was these defects of character that had me do what I did to get what I wanted in the central column of my instincts satisfied from you. I did whatever it took. 
I started to see this thing happen. I started to see where all of a sudden I stopped blaming you. And I started realizing that, oh my God, if I stay this guy, I'm a dead man. How could this not happen? How could my life not be screwed up like this? How could I not hate my guts after this reveal? And a crazy thing happened. I'm going to read it to you. Talk about miracles. They begin here. The miracles were always there. Right? Nobody wants a, nobody, everybody wants a miracle. It's just nobody wants to be in a position to have to have, to have one. Right? Everybody likes to have a miracle now and then, right? We just don't want to have to be in a position to have to have one. Well, this started a long time ago. So the miracle was just waiting for me. But it took almost two decades of struggle and agony to have it realized. It says, if we've been thorough about our personal inventory, we have written down a lot. We have listed and analyzed our resentments. And of course, our fears and our harms and sexual harms. We've begun to comprehend their futility and their fatality. That's a miracle for me. That's a spiritual experience for me. Because I never realized that. Ever. I never looked at what happened to you. I didn't care. I could turn it around on you in a minute. So we've begun to comprehend their futility and their fatality. We've, begun, we've commenced to see their terrible destructiveness. We've begun to learn tolerance. Are you kidding me? Real, toler- real tolerance? Not through gritted teeth tolerance? Patience and goodwill toward all men, even our enemies. You've got to be kidding me. It took me going in and seeing who you got when I showed up on the scene to learn this. Well, yeah, how could it have happened any other way? It happens the same for every single person sitting in this room and anybody else that's worked the step process. This is why we got to do the steps. To become free. We look on them as sick people. I looked on them as the, the, the problem. We have listed the people we have hurt by our conduct and are willing to straighten out the past if we can. So they're saying my attitude is beginning to change and my personality is beginning to change here. My whole dynamic's beginning to shift. I'm starting to have a perception that I never had before. And it's a perception, an outward perception of the damage that I caused. It wasn't really you at all. But you were the vehicle for this to happen. And I used and abused every one of you. All of them. But we've listened to people we have hurt by our contact, conduct. That's the first column of the four steps. So I had the information I need for eight and nine right there. But some things have to happen between here and there. Because the things that are going to happen between here and there are called a spiritual awakening. You see, it says in 12, we having had, having had, that means it, it happened prior to getting there. It happened before this moment when I get to 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps. What steps? 
the decision to do four through nine. Those steps, those certain steps, those that are willing to go to any length and are ready to take certain steps. Those steps. And it starts with a decision. Nothing happens just by deciding to do something and then don't do it. That's an intention. That's not a decision. A decision is a decision. It calls for action. Matter of fact, the 12 and 12 says the, rest, the entire rest of the AA program depends on how well I do step three. Step three just calls for affirmative action. You understand that? I mean, everybody should understand that. But something must take place. And according to their timeline, it's like next. When you decide, you go. You set forth with, it says we launched. What's that word mean? Set forth with velocity. Doesn't mean we sit on a third step decision, because then it's only an intention. We know we're going to be looking inside, because it says personal inventory. And that scares most of us to death. It scares us to death. And it really isn't scaring us to death. What it's doing is scaring us to life. That's what it's doing. Right? We've got to find out what the problem But what has blocked us off? Because we all were born the most pure spiritual beings on earth. Endowed by a creator with many, many gifts. And then once we started to understand language and what the, what the giants were telling us, it's like we started getting contaminated. Right? So, we get into the six and seven process and here we are. And, so I'm, and the reason I'm telling you this is because step 10, which is what we talked about last week, is that we take everything that we have garnered and implemented by taking personal inventory, speaking to somebody about it, became willing to have God remove all these defects of character, or, if you like, simple language, committed to change, right? Commitment to change, that, and then ask God for help. Seven, right? So we take inventory. We talk to somebody about it. We commit to change in six. We ask God for help in seven. And if we offend anybody or, 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 or go wayward in our pursuit that day, we make amends when necessary, whether it's through a spot check inventory. You know, know when we hurt somebody. We certainly know when somebody hurts us. Don't we? But for us to have a resentment and think it's justified only leads to futility and possibly fatality. Because for us to be full of resentment after we've already cleaned out this vessel, this temple that we hope to clean out and make an environment for God to indwell us, we start putting garbage right back in. It's like taking a clear glass of water saying, this is what I'm after. This is what's necessary. Inventory. Talking to somebody. Doing a deep dive. Confession. Reveal. And this is who I want to become. This clear, crystal clear glass of water. Coming from a very dirty, dark, murky glass of water. 
full of defects, full of selfishness, self-centeredness, full of self-righteousness, full of self, 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 right? Fear, resentment, bitterness, trauma, prices, all that. And I'm moving towards this. Well, if I get into six and seven and I'm committing to change and asking God for help on a daily basis, and I stop doing that, I'm going to start filling that. I'm going to, this is all of a sudden going to be, I'm going to be taking this water, this dirty stuff, and start pouring it in and contaminating the, the new glass of water, this new crystal clear vessel I hope to become until you won't be able to recognize the old guy from the guy that is after all this work. Right? I'll get something. But I'm not going to get a new glass of water. I'm not going to get a crystal clear glass of water. Right? I start to I start to detract on my the ingredients that I'm incorporating in my life. The honesty, the selflessness, the concern for others, the willingness to help, the willingness to support and encourage, taking other men through the steps hoping that they'll have a awakening as I have. If I'm still selfish, you see, I'm either selfish, I'm either self-centered, or I'm God-centered. There's just no in-between, people. There's just not. Either I'm selfish, and it happens all the time, or I'm God-centered. And I seem to find more freedom here when I'm God-centered. I find more safety and protection in my heart and soul when I'm God-centered. Right? So, the decision to do four through nine is a decision I make every day. It's the design Bill talks about. The design for living that really works. Right? What am I deciding every morning when I get up? We all talk about it when I get on my knees and I say a prayer. What am I deciding to do? What does that look like? How's that going to be displayed, Joe? Well, today I'm going to work on my language. And God, I'm asking you to please help me with that. Or today I'm going to work on my selfishness. And God, please help me with that. This is a decision I'm making to display to you, Father, that I really mean it when I say I want a relationship with you. And I want it to continue to grow. So I'm going to work on this today. I'm going to work on that, you know, relationship that has been strained. And I need you to help me with it today. Whatever I'm deciding to do, I'm doing a step three to do something else. Just, that's the way it is. If I'm going to decide to turn my will and my life over to the care of God, in the step work in the beginning, it's to do the four-step inventory. Those are the instructions. That's how it flows. But I'm also, at that same time, incorporating that decision into, the, into my new life on how I'm going to effectively accomplish what I want to accomplish. And what is that? That I remain in God's care as far as my will, which is my thoughts and my actions. I want to know Him better. And if I'm not knowing you better, I, that's a, it's a nothing but a lie, isn't it? It's like if I'm going to commit to Him, I, I better commit to you. Because for me to continue to treat you like I don't care is just... How do, you, how do you do that? 
How do I display to him that I do? See, he knows when I'm lying. (laughs) You may not. But how do I face him when I've been a liar to you? Got it? So there's a process. I commit to change. I ask God for help. And I make amends where necessary. I go out and I embellish the truth and I lie to somebody. Half, uh, you know, what they say is like a half truth is a whole lie. Is that what they say? That will, listen, I don't like feeling bad inside. I don't like feeling like a hypocrite inside. I, don't, I mean, I know I'm a hypocrite. I mean, I do this stuff. I'm, I'm not taking myself off the hook like I got, I'm going to leave here and, you know, and, and, and spread my wings. I don't have wings yet. I'm still broken in a million pieces, people. And if it weren't for a God who adored me, I'd be lost. What's the sense of living? What's the sense of not drinking? <laughs> I, like, I wanted to be free. At first, it was just from the bondage of booze. But then it became so much more because it was revealed to me that I had these problems well before I drank any booze. They tell, it says in the book, they tell why living was so unsatisfying. Leaving aside the drink question, they tell why living was so unsatisfactory. It wouldn't have mattered if I was an alcoholic or not. I still would have been an incredibly selfish and self-centered individual. And still am sometimes in my own thoughts. A lot of time. The only difference is today, I desire to be better. I desire to have his help in this thing. I know I can't do this without him. That's, that's one of the biggest revelations that I've had. It's that I'm broken beyond the point of me overcoming me. You can only do it with you and him. And every time I explain that to somebody that I'm close to and I, you know, I talk about my issues and my problems and, 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 and come to the conclusion in that conversation that God is the only way out, the whole conversation starts to focus on that one thing, Him. And suddenly, I feel so relieved. For an alcoholic not to have that power outlet... Is doom. So it says our next function is to grow in understanding and effectiveness as I continue to look for selfishness, self-centeredness, dishonesty, and fear. And when these crop up, I ask God at once to remove them. Four, five, four, six, and seven. I talk to somebody about them. Five. I commit to changing six and seven, right? And I make amends where necessary. Why do we do this on a daily basis? Think about what would happen to us if we didn't. We didn't have that outlet. We didn't have that strategy and that method to stay free. Freedom is the operative word here. How free do I want to be is the question. So next week, right? We got one more week, Mike? Two more meetings, right? 
So next week, we're going to talk about, and by the way, when it says, uh, this is how we react so long as we stay in fit spiritual condition. Well, how do we stay in fit spiritual condition? Well, we decide in the morning to continue to take personal inventory. And when, when we're wrong, we ask God for help. We make amends where necessary, and then we resolutely turn our thoughts to someone we can help. Paraphrasing, but it's in that order. Simply said, we decide to four through nine every four through nine all the time. Just four through nine all the time. We decide to four through nine all the time. We decide in the beginning to we decide to do four. We decide to do five. We decide to do six because remember, steps making a decision calls for affirmative action. Nothing happens without a decision. And that comes from the thought. What am I committed to today? So, there are so many cool ways that we can continue to grow in understanding and effectiveness. Understanding of what? That God is our director. That we are his children. That he's a principal and we're his agent. He's the master. And I'm the servant. Right? Serving is so much more liberating than taking. This whole process took a taker like me that was addicted and entrenched in being a taker in every single manipulative way that he could possibly do it to you or anybody else into being a giver. Doesn't mean I don't want to take some time because I still get selfish. But I'm a whole lot better than I used to be. Pretty gratifying when somebody says, who the hell are you? Who are you? I mean, I met you. I know who you were. Like, who are you today? What are you, what, what's going on with you, Joe? We don't even know who they Like, they can't figure it out. It's like doctor, and I'm going to close with this. If I can get through this. I started a little late, so I'm going a little late. Is that cool? Just a minute. Just a, a minute or two, maybe. But this is in the doctor's opinion. This is a, uh, the experience of that marvelous, wonderful man. It says this. It says, about a year prior to this experience, a man was brought to me treated to, to be treated in to be treated for chronic alcoholism. He had... But all but partially recovered from, he he had partially recovered from a gastric hemorrhage and seemed to be a case of pathological mental deterioration to us these days. That was wet brain. He lost everything worthwhile in life. Sounds familiar to me. And was only living, one might say, to drink. That was me. He frankly admitted that he believed that for him there was no hope. Absolutely me. Following the elimination, elimination of alcohol, there was found to be no brain, permanent brain injury. That's only God's grace. That's getting an unearned gift, right? Mercy is not getting what I really deserved. He accepted the plan outlined in this book. It took a while. <laughs> it took like 17, 16 years, 17 years, whatever it was. A whole lot of pain. One year later, he called to see me, and I experienced a very strange sensation. I knew the man by name, and, 
and partly recognized his features. But there all resemblance ended from a trembling, despairing, nervous wreck had emerged a man brimming over with self-reliance and contentment. I talked with him for some time, but was not able to bring myself to feel I had known him before. To me, he was a stranger. And so he left me. Long times passed with no return to alcohol. I pray that so much for everybody in this room and for all those out there that are still in the struggle. See you next week. Thank you, Joe. Tremendous message as always. Can we thank Joe one more time, everyone? Now I take great pleasure in introducing our other Joe. That's Joe M, to be specific. He's our second... Thank you, Mark, and thank you again, Joe. All right, my name is Joe, uh, or Joey, whatever you would like to call me, um, and I'm your recovered alcoholic secretary. Hello. In keeping with the seventh tradition, which states that every group shall be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions, we do have the baskets going around. Also, we have a um, seven-tradition little uh, card on the back of every seat. If anyone doesn't have cash, you can feel free to contribute via technology. It goes right to our group's uh, Venmo account. As um, the basket's going around, I've asked Kevin to come up and read the recovered statement. We asked um, someone to read this message to notice why people in the group may identify as recovered rather than covering what does it all mean? Um, and Kevin's going to come up and explain it to us. So please welcome him. Thank you. How are you guys, How are you guys doing, Kevin? Alcoholic? Recovered. We are not cured of alcoholism. Recovered, but not cured. That presents a conflict to some alcoholics. If we were cured, we would be able to drink responsibly. No, we are not cured. The allergic reaction to alcohol will remain with us for our entire lifetime. But we have been restored to sanity. That was the problem. The main problem of the alcoholic centers in his mind rather than in the body. We are now sane where alcohol is concerned. Consequently, we have recovered. Thank you, Kevin. All right. 1940-style Big Book sponsorship from the forward of the second edition, Alcoholics Anonymous. <clears throat> Sorry. Of alcoholics who came to AA and really tried, 50% got sober at once and remained that way. 25% sobered up after some relapses, and among the remainder, those who stayed on with AA showed improvement. What we've seen, felt, come to believe, and experience is that God has not changed over time. And neither should the sacred approach back to his loving arms. The statistics above suggest a 75 plus percent success rate. All right. 
Um, at this time, is there anyone here that would be needing a sponsor? Huh? No? That's okay. Um, any recovered alcoholics out there? Beautiful. If anyone happened to be too shy, feel free to see one of the folks with their hands raised. I'd be happy to speak with you. Um, we have announcements. Uh, BCIC. Or intergroup, right? Sorry. Intergroup is where you buy AA-related literatures and medallions, also responsible for creating the where and when, scheduling the AA hotline. Stop by and pay them a visit. Sorry, BCIC now is responsible for bringing meetings into places where people like us cannot get out to an AA, cannot get out to an AA meeting, such as jails, detoxes, rehabs. They re, they meet monthly at the twelve step house. Is there any BCIC people here? That's okay. Stop by the twelve step house, pay them a visit. It's a tremendous organization. Uh, Wednesday night study group. It's an awesome time. Um, they go through the book page by page. It's over in Pompano. Um, we also have some awesome volunteer commitments. All the flyers for those are on the back, so please grab those um, to do service. Paulette, um, she's from Miramar. Um, super excited to have her. She'll be starting in January, start of the new year. So I've never seen her, so I'm really excited myself. And uh, Monday, 7.15, up on the third floor of this building, there's an awesome big book study. Also, my home group, go through the page, page by page as well. We're going through um, to the, fa- thank you, thank you, Mark. Fail me afterwards right now. And it's, it's a good time, and um, there's also cookies. Huh? So don't be there just for the cookies, but it's a nice treat. And it's okay if you are, too, if we're honest. Um, all right. So we do have CDs, mugs, large print picking books, little red books, and big book dictionaries for sale in the back, beautifully displayed. See one of the home group members if you'd like any of those. We do meet every Thursday, promptly starting at 7.15. Come early for some fellowship at 6.30. We ask you to be courteous and ready to begin at the sound of the bells. Thank you all. See you next week. So if anyone's interested or missed tonight's session, we have tonight's session and all their past speaker podcasts online for free at alcoholicsandgod.org. Once again, I'd like to to invite everyone to our Monday Night Big Book Study on the third floor. He told you all about it. Um, Quick reminder, there's a 75-foot no-smoking, no-vape zone in front of the doors. We have other stuff going on at the church this time of year and all times of the year. yeah, just, just light up down there, if you don't mind. We'd appreciate it. Um, anyone who would like to thank Joe, he'll be up here. Just line, that, line up down the center aisle. Thank him. Yeah, we're going to stack some chairs. If anyone wants to get together, we're going we're to have a good time stacking. And um, Feel free to join um, <laughs> after you thank Joe. We're going to close with the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, 
as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For lies the kingdom, power, and all
that sounds that oh when you smiling when you smiling When you laughing, when you laughing, yes, the sun comes shining through. But when you crying. Sighing, baby, and be happy again. Yes, indeed, I'm smiling.
Chase, here's that song you've been asking me for for a million years. I finally pulled it out the pulled it out the corners of my mind, and um, here you go. Just about to stop. 
Christmas songs And people sing along And stomp their feet and raise their arms song is. God bless. I love you, Mike Chase. Bye. I think you know this one, don't you?
Just won't set me free. Clap your hands if you leave me too. 